Previously on Timoko Presents. Well, my name is Benoit Glazer. So I decided just, well, let's do something on at the house on Tuesdays. And so I just had a concert. All right, I've always just kind of wanted to say that previously thing. But this time we get into how Benoit went from performing in the circus, which is kind of funny to say, but really that's what he did, to presenting concerts in his living room. Before we get to the interview, I have a couple of favors to ask. You know the drill. First, please subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or however you listen to podcasts. And it would be really great if you would share the podcast with a friend or a family member. Second, visit Timokua.com and find a concert to come visit and hear some live music. Most of the shows are completely free if you've never been. Just listen to Benoit talk about it for the next few minutes, and I'm sure he'll convince you to make the trip. We talk about, in this episode, how he got to the point of building a house around these concerts, and what's next for the Timuco Arts Foundation. Hint, I hope you like boats. And so I just had a concert, and I arranged the uh, box Goldberg variations for the band at work at Cirque, you know. So it was piano, violin, trumpet, English horn, and cello. And so I arranged some, like you know, Alex played a, just a couple of variations by himself on piano. Um, then I did some things with piano and violin, and then I did all kinds of different combinations with cello and violin. You know, like, not very few variations at all of us, but some, a couple of them did. But anyways, that was the first concert. And b literally, we dragged the kids in the radio flyer, you know, and they had the, they had the flyers, <laughs> literally. And we put them in the neighborhood. We put them up. We put the few up at the, at the grocery store and, the, you know, at the, at the, the little board there and at, at, the, at the pharmacy in our neighborhood. And that was the first concert. 20 people came and... That was it, you know, it started. And then we had one a month for the first maybe few months, and then people were clamoring for more. And so we started with two a month, and then eventually, you know, three a month, and then it, we ran out of space, and so we decided to design and build the house that was more conducive to these concerts. So, so was it weird at first to just, like, invent, invite strangers into your home for these concerts? No, it was, uh, for us, it's wasn't that out of the ordinary i mean i i you know my father was a fiddler and he didn't have an audience in the house but he had musicians over the house all the time and so it wasn't that weird for us and our our culture is a little bit more open also you know like uh, uh just the way we interact socially with other people is a little bit more i don't know i want to say warm maybe maybe a little bit more european in that way you know it's like not so distant um and so it it's lends us to you know for example the the latino community here around orlando i notice their their social interaction is a little bit closer to what we would experience so it's not out of the ordinary to uh, invite people who you know who are invite going to invite people you don't know you know like you invite people over and you know that it's perfectly fine for them to invite their friends whom you may or may not know and so it's not 
it wasn't especially weird. And because we started small and without a big design, you know, like it wasn't a grand idea. It was just let's have a concert and then, oops, well, let's have another one because this one went well. And so, and then, you know, there were some bumps in the road and there were some funny little stories like people, you know, I would cold call people, say, hey, you want to play or you want to, you know, and, and, at, you know, a few people said, I don't play for free. You know, I'm a professional musician and they didn't understand the concept, you know, and then eventually these people turned around and saw they came to see one or something. And it's like, wow, this is cool. I want to do that. But, uh, you know, at first it was a little bit strange until the concept is clear enough and defined enough, you know, but things kind of happen. I mean, I, I bought some lights pretty much right away and uh, I had a you know, I had good moni studio monitors. These ones I, that I used right Same off ones? the bat. Oh, yeah. I have had them for 17 years. And wow. we've had concerts for 17 years. That's why, That was my PA right off the bat. And, um, you know, that's... It thing grew. And then it, the vision kind of started slowly taking shape over time, you know. And then we created the nonprofit in 2004. So like a full four years after we started. We started that in September 2000. So that's when we started, we had our first concert. Um, and of course now we've had, I don't know, 840 of them or something like that. Uh, and then our uh, emphasis on living composers, that kind of grew also over the first few months, you know? It was pretty quick, but, and we didn't have a live artist until we got here in the house. But we started showing art pretty quickly. My wife had a student recital, and some of her, I mean, one of her parents was an art teacher. So a lot of the students, because it was like, a, you know, and kids from the neighborhood, uh, a lot of our students were also taking art lessons. So she said, oh, well, how about we show your art? And so I bought some of these lights that we have now at the house just to show the art properly so that it would be, be, they would be seen in the dark, relative darkness of a kind of a concert home concert environment and uh, and so that's how that started and we started showing art on a regular basis and when we moved here we had a we had enough space on stage to have a live artist you know working live so showing and working and that became a important part of the whole experience I think so you started having concerts in your home in 2000. Yeah. What was so, or maybe was there anything that was that, that felt different to you and the guests of those concerts that was different having this concert in your home compared to going to a, a venue more like, you know, where a you have your venue. day job? Well, one of the things is that, you know, our neighbors could come. And, I mean, you. so you could... you. you even now, to this day, we have a certain percentage of the audience who did not take a car to go to see a concert. And that, of course, can happen when you're downtown and if some people live downtown, but it's not that common, right? So that was one aspect. And I think that the, the other thing is that, that was very important for us pretty much right off the bat is that we are finding a new way a new balance of both like how can i say that like in a in a concert hall the audience like if you're, you're watching a concert in a concert hall you're like afraid to unwrap your lozenge right because you you know everything is 
happening on stage and nothing like the audience participation is minimal like in other words like you're taking it in but you're not really part of the action and then the opposite of that if you know if you don't play the kind of music that usually gets played in a concert hall then you play in bars and things like that and where you're at the service of the food and beverage industry and basically you're there to sell more beer and nobody's listening and nobody's listening and so the power is all in the audience's hands and but it's not only a matter of power but it was a matter of the experience the quality of the experience like if right off the bat we had bread, we used to buy bread and fruits and juice, and that was it. And then people started bringing things because they felt kind of compelled to do it a little bit because we, you know, they said, why, why these people, you know, people, they're hosting us and they're buying food. It's ridiculous. And so, um, and so they, and that became a tradition pretty quickly. And so that's unusual. So you have this thing where you don't pay to get in. And we didn't have donations until we got to this house here and not that long ago, as a matter of fact, because I used to bankroll the whole thing myself because I had a good job, you know? So, um, so like this whole experience was like, okay, we're going to see a free concert. And the bulk of our performances at first were people who live in Orlando, who play work in Orlando, musicians, there's a lot of steady work in Orlando, but good musicians who work, full-time here in Orlando, they don't usually get to play the music they want to play. And back then, the, the opportunities for them to do that were scarce and difficult. And so that's what we provided. We provided an opportunity for local musicians to play what they wanted to play, and we provided the audience with something, the experience of seeing these musicians, they get to see in the parks all the time, but playing the stuff that they want to play. And so... And then it grew out of that, you know, so or from that. So now we have a, like a balance. We keep a balance between local performers and out of town, out of state, out of the country performers. And then, um, you know, another, uh, uh, the audience also is the same thing. So we have a local part of the audience who's local, who's regular, and then another part of the audience who come here for the first time, they're traveling through town or they you know we have a, a, a member who's a couch surfing organizer like he travels the world and he does like he's been setting that up and and so he has he brings his couch surfers when they come from australia or whatever they stay at his place and so he brings them here at a, to a concert you know because it makes sense to him because these people they don't want to see what everybody else gets to see they want to see the stuff that the local people get to experience and that's what we provide and so and of course, the new house, the impetus for that was that, first of all, the parking in our regular neighborhood was getting to be a little bit of a problem because, you know, they had to walk a long way. They would park along the street. They had to walk a long way to get to the house and because it became more and more popular. Were you surprised at how fast it grew? It, it grew fast. It, I mean, one year and that was it. There was no turning back. We couldn't have stopped after one year. Like, it, people would have revolted. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way, that's the way we felt. And so... First, like, for example, when uh, 2006 came along, the height of the bubble, real estate bubble, for those of you who are too young to remember, we had a big, you know, I, I mean, I could have gotten almost five times what I paid for the house we had in, in, the, in the suburbs uh, just by holding a sign for 20 minutes on the, you didn't have to put the sign down. Like, you just hold, held the sign for sale 20 minutes and the, the house sold. It was ridiculous. And that this house was basically... Like the foundation was put in, you know, it was being built. And we, I said, you know, this is a bubble. It's going to burst. What do we do? And I, so I talked with, to my wife and I said, well, 
we could sell the house now, make a lot of money, pay for a good portion of the new house with that, but I don't know when the new house is going to be finished, so we could be a year, maybe a year and a half without, and it turned out to be quite true, without having concerts. And so we decided, well, if the bubble burst, what's going to happen? We won't be able to sell the house for any more than we paid for it. It's not a real loss, it's just a theoretical loss, and so let's do that. And so that's exactly what we did, and that's exactly what happened. We sold the house for what we paid for it. We lost, you know, 300 and some thousand dollars in the process that are fictitious dollars. They're not real dollars. You know, they didn't, they, you know, it's not, it's not a real loss. But we could have made more money. Um, but in the end, we kept the concerts going, and that was what... That's since that's why we were building the house. It felt ridiculous for me to stop the concerts for a year to wait for the new house to be built while we live in an apartment for a year, for example. Uh, we could have done that. It would have been the wise financial choice, but it wasn't the wise, the right choice for us. And so we took a different route. And the whole reason we bought this new house is because we had a Brazilian concert, the first one we had. I mean, we started to have themed, like we had a saxophone night. I think it was in 2004. 2004 George Wormchuck was Wormchuck was there so that's when like we started having these kinds of things we had a string night we had like so we you know kind of helping local composers or hoping that there would be a lot of living composers being played there that people knew that you know so it was that it started you know quite a while ago and um, fairly early on in the, in, the, in the project's history emphasis for my like like we have a team now like we have volunteers we have you know an executive director my wife is like the chair of the hospitality section you know section of so we have a part of our team focuses on the ex audience's experience and I focus on the performer's experience and so that's why I bought a drum set with like I have two different kick drums I have like th a, a choice of three different toms you know, that's just a drum set. Then we have a, p a good piano, and I keep working on the piano. I just voiced it two days ago. You know, like, I do a lot of work on that piano to keep it in shape, and, you know, so that I can be proud of the instrument. Everybody who plays, who comes to play, they always compliment the piano, even though, like, we have Steinway artists, and our piano is a K-Kawai, and so it's not a Steinway, and they're supposed to play on Steinway, and they come, and they play my piano, they say, man, I, I'm, I'm happy to play on your piano. It's such a joy to play on your piano. So... And I have bass amps, I have a choice of three different bass amps, you know, I have a double bass, um, you know, all of that to make the experience of the performers as smooth and easy and pleasant as possible. Not to mention that we provide them with a nice room and a nice audience who's 95% of the time a perfect match to the performers. So that our focus on the performer's experience is unique and, and it's unique in many many ways that's why we make them a video we you know actually we usually make a trailer and a full-length video i make it available to them for them um so that they can download it re-upload it monetize it if they want like i give them all of the tools they they 
I can possibly give them. I think that's a pretty special thing for concert presenters generally is to have such a focus on the experience of the performers. You know, after you've gone through the process of, of you know, getting an agreement for somebody to come in, that the, the beginning to the end is just a, a, a really nice and rewarding experience for the performer. It really shows in their performances. I've, I've heard yeah. performers who I've have heard elsewhere and also here, and it's a very different performance when they perform here at the house. That's the hope. That's the hope. And because I was a performer, I'm still a performer, and I perform, but I have performed in many, many, many venues, and uh, that's why it felt important to me to space to pay special attention to the level of the quality of the experience of the performers because many, many times, if you don't have an intermediate like a manager, a tour manager, or somebody. To do that, it's not built into the experience. And so it we I've played like even famous venues that you know I will that shall remain nameless now, but trust me, they're well known. And but you know, they you felt like you I mean I felt like I was a number, you know, like I was a throwaway, like I was a a, a way for them to make money, you know, and that's in some ways, I think the bigger and more significant the venue, the more likely that situation is. They almost like they want you to, I mean, we're very happy when performers thank us for, you know, to, you know, and the audience, like we're always thankful for uh, good comments and things like that or any comments. But but you really feel like if you play at, at, at you know, in, uh, in Paris, in a very famous venue, and if you play there, uh, you're kind of like expected to like kneel and you know, wave to the to the to the house manager because he made you a huge favor by letting you play there, even when you're playing with a superstar. question complete non sequitur where did the name come from Timucua uh, is the neighborhood we lived in when we first started having these concerts so Hunters Creek has a, a subdivision called Timucua so our address was on Timucua Court there you know the way to get there was to get off Hunters Creek Boulevard on Timucua uh, way and then go left on Timucua Circle and right on Timucua Court it was all Timucua but the other way when we uh, we're putting the nonprofit together. We were looking for a name, and then um, I looked into the name a little bit. Tim Timucua. They were Indian tribes. Some of, some of them referred to them as the people as the Timucuans, and that's fine. But I mean, it was the Timucua tribe. So, um, and they were, uh, you know, there's little research I did. Like they were fair. They were well fed. So. 
and you know, anthropologically, that's very important. So the food was plentiful, which meant that first they didn't they had some free time on their hands. So they actually did a lot of they left behind a lot of uh, nice artifacts. You can tell that they were spending sometimes weaving, sometimes weaving and and uh, carving and doing you know that for leisure. So that's important. And the other thing is that they didn't have to compete for food, and so they were not very well armed because they were not very belligerent. And so when the Europeans came, they were wiped out within weeks or months maybe, but very quickly. They were the first tribe to go, as opposed to the Seminoles, for example, who were a little bit more well-equipped to resist to the, the invader. And so we still have some Seminoles now, whether, and whereas we do not have the Timucua now. And so because they, because they were pacifist or pacific, and because they were a little bit more art-minded than other uh, native people, we thought that it was appropriate for us to name them. And because they're gone, there's an, you know, another way to, that maybe people will ask the question and kind of find out a little bit more about them, meaning they're remembered a little bit. And so for all these reasons, we decided to go and call the, the, the foundation the Timco Arts Foundation. And we called it the foundation because legally... What we meant to do from the start was not necessarily be a charity, per se, but uh, we wanted our involvement in community to be a little bit deeper and our roots to dig a little deeper, and we wanted from the start to be of service to other nonprofit organizations. And so in that case, usually it's a foundation. So a foundation is usually a granting. We never got around to grant a lot, but we help in different ways. You know, if I win the lottery, if I play the lottery, maybe someday I will win. And if I ever win, then I will grant uh, other nonprofits. You know, but the the point is that um, we did we wanted our involvement to be a little bit deeper than just presenting concerts. That was always the basis of our activities, or the most important of act activities. But we wanted it to be more comprehensive. So, speaking of that, how has the Timucua Arts Foundation changed over the years? From from where it started as just presenting concerts, you mentioned that you intended for it to grow, and yeah. I understand. I'm led to believe that it has, it as has. we're sitting across the table yeah. with microphones. Yes. Um. But uh, like, what what has changed? Well, uh, now the foundation itself grew in. First of all, we have a expanding board and more diverse board now, so that's growing in that way. We've also you know, of course, our budget was always minimal because I was always the main source. Bryce West and my, uh, was the biggest donor, and uh, and he gave quite a bit. But I mean, I was by far the biggest donor to the foundation in, in you know financially. And now that I cannot do that, I, I knew that ahead of time. Let's plan to grow because we need to grow. Otherwise, you know, these this is gonna stop. And so, so it has grown. And we have an ambassadors council, which is. Not as active as I wish it were, but it's still uh, an, one more extension into the community that's very, very good to have. And the board is growing, and not rapidly, in, but it's growing well. It's growing um, in quality tremendously. And so, and that's, and we keep the people we had before. It's not like we're replacing people with quote unquote better people. It's just that we're expanding the board slowly. We, we started, we had. It was basically, I was doing everything. I used to do all the accounting, all of the, everything. And then we volunteers started to help. And then, whoops, and then we had a board, like a five-member board. Now the board has 13 people, I think. And we are 
taking one more in soon and they're all quality people who want to help and they're well connected in community and so it's it's starting to um to show dividends we're starting to reap you know the benefits of that and the other big move that we did last year or um a few months ago is that we hired a part-time executive director who has you know more time to write grants and get together with and you know organize things and so it and grow the board and all that kind of stuff and i guess this is the third year that we have offered memberships and that's that was the first wave of growth for financially for the for the foundation was members because membership costs a hundred dollars and they get perks for that they get to choose their seat before everyone else they get half off on ticketed events they get the um, half off on uh, accidental music festival events they get uh, you know uh, exclusive access to some events or knowledge you know through our uh, a special um, email news blast just for our members and uh, they get also uh, some local businesses are kind of getting on the bandwagon now and uh, they offer discounts to our members and so all of this combined you know, of course, the other way it's grown over the years is more and more association and deeper uh, connections with different organizations, uh, arts-mended organizations in Central Florida and and beyond. And so the ex um, the uh, Accidental Music Festival is one of them. The Central Florida Composers Forum is one of them. The Civic Minded Five is one of them. They've been on board for several years. Um, but they're also growing in a different way. And we have now like new kind of more major partners, UCF. We have a new partnership with UCF. WMFE now kind of all of a sudden they want to have events here. They want to promote our things. They want to get more involved, which is a good thing for us. You know, and that could be a very valuable partnership. Um, and then we're writing more grants than we ever have before. thing that I didn't quite catch right away is, for example, um, our relationship to religion, organized religion, where I come from, is very different because of historics, you know, the historic context. And so, but here, like, people belong to churches, and it's like, and I realize, like, sports teams are the same thing. Like, it's, it's more pronounced here than it is where I come from. So it took me a while to catch on. But oh, so you're, you're saying it's, it's almost uh, an identity, Membership here has a different meaning than membership where I grew up. And so by when, when people are members of something, they feel a part of it. They feel like they, they're also some ownership of it. And that's something I, it took me a while to, to realize, you know. And so I think that's one of the reasons that, of course, we hope that it's because they like what we're doing and they, you know, they want to get more and they want to support us. But... Also is 
like the same amount of, they could have given the same amount of money ad hoc, you know, but it feels better to them to give it in one shot and get a tag and they're, they're a member. And we're actually working on swag, you know. People feel good when they belong or they feel better when they belong to something that they believe in. And so it's not only believing in something, it's also belonging to a group who believe the same thing. And because we are a religious, a political, you know, we have people from all religions and all religious beliefs and all political, you know, everywhere in the political spectrum, um, we can we can offer them something that they believe in, they can belong to something they believe in, and be with people they would never otherwise, like in other words, their co-members, their co-owners are from different backgrounds than what they usually get. And they're all sitting, like you said, right next to each other. Like, you can't be that far away from anybody else no. and be in the room. Right. Not to mention the distance between the, the, the performer and the audience. Exactly. But the, the distance between the audience members and, and having everybody together, it, it, those are the moments when it really does feel like you're just in somebody's living room. Right. And, you know, there's not... You, you mentioned the, the OPO and you mentioned another performance venue in town um and at all of those big performance venues there is you know there is a separate entrance for the talent and the right. talent right. does not like there's a wall right really, right and 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 unless you know the the secret knock you don't get to you know get within 20 feet right of the of the talent Effectively. And and it's true at venues that you would think are very casual, too. Like, you know, you go to House of Blues, you still can't go backstage. And, you know, I mean, there's the, unless the, the performers actually go in the house after the concert, they're not, you're not going to meet the, 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 the artists, you know, the performers. And so that's definitely one of the pluses of having house concerts. And even though I, I don't call my concerts house concerts like to me it's a little bit different they just happen to happen they they happen to take place in a home but they're not your typical house concerts um because of that i mean but still the the, the performers and the audience enter from the same door and they eat around the same table you know and they drink the same wine and they they you know they're in the same room when they perform and it's not like the stage is four feet high and you, you know and there's no stairs to get on you know what i mean like if, and we've had examples of, you know, before we had the permit with the city, which kind of limits our, in, uh, you know, the number of people we can have in the house to 100, uh, plus the performers. Um, but before then, we had people sitting on stage for concerts because it was only like with Larry Coriel and two Indian musicians, and they were sitting down on the floor in the middle of the stage. There was plenty of room. So, I mean, we were out of room. You know, we had 200 people here. So, I mean, that was cozy. <laughs> we had people sitting on the floor everywhere, you know. Well, and that, I think, is a benefit not just to the, the house and the projects that run out of the house, but it is, I think, a benefit to the arts community in Orlando as a whole, and even outside of Orlando as a whole, for people to get comfortable with the idea that these are not superhumans that are performing this stuff. They're just regular people. And right. they are doing this because they love it and they rely on you know the community of people that are here and the support that they get from that. Um, I would imagine that, that the connection that people form with the arts through 
the events and the programming that Timucua does, that that transcends Timucua into the rest of the community. This is where we're different, is that we keep a place for local musicians. How do you maintain that as you move forward, as the it's, organization grows and you get more attention, you're writing more grants, you're getting you know, different kinds of artists, maybe artists that are further along in their careers coming in and playing at the house. How do you maintain the kind of small town feel the, the connection and the, the accessibility to those new artists. Well, that's what we're working on. It's a work in progress. It never, you know, I mean, we're getting more and more good world-class musicians wanting to play at the house, which is good. And we're, but we're keeping, we keep a place and that's where, you know, most of our events, our regular series is on Sundays. And then we have these midweek events once in a while. They're special events usually. And uh, like we had one last night, uh, Emily Kopp, she's like basically a pop artist from Nashville, but she's an artistic pop artist. What she does, basically, her songs has, they have hooks, but she has a rock flavor to her stuff. There's like, um, a, there's a folk element, there's almost a country element, but what she's writing songs, not as products. She's not trying to sell this thing that could be from anyone, for, you, know, you know, like if you listen to the commercial radio and you listen to a country song, most of the time it could be from a number of performers, it wouldn't make a difference, like it's a product. And so that's what we try to avoid here. And it could be true of classical music too. There's some classical, you know, stars, like well-known people, if they're super popular, there's a chance they may have succumbed to using their gift and packaging it and it's a product and and that's what we avoid and we if somebody super famous classical musician wants to play here and i feel like what they're doing is just like rehashing old stuff and they're just like you know greatest hits all the time that's what they do that's a product to me and i'm not interested i'm not saying that mainstream classical music is not interesting it can be interesting but if you're not if you don't bring art to it i don't care how well known you are i'm not interested and so that's where, to me, art is like, I can play an etude, you know, I, I give lessons, you know, trumpet lessons. And, and we were talking about that this morning at my trumpet lesson. And so my student is a good player. He's, you know, he has a master's degree and everything. And so he's a fabulous player, but we're, you know, he can improve. And so can I, and so can everyone. And we're playing this like mundane 19th century etude. And I'm, I'm like, trying to fish out more music out of it and i'm like and then and we had this kind of short conversation about okay here's the thing you have to make choices 
and you have to assume your choices and then you have to convince me that those were the right choices and we're talking about music but it could be anything else and that's making like you have the notes printed in front of you this is what you have to play because that's the situation you're in but you have a choice here fundamental choice you can just play the notes get it over with or you can try to convince me that your unique interpretation is the correct one like it's not only what the composer might have wanted it's what you decide to do with it the you know you're an artist you you can be a player a musician and not be an artist you can be a painter and not be an artist if if what you do is like you know not painting by numbers but you know what i mean like you're building a product to sell that's not art and usually these things come and go right so pop artists like pop stars who are not artists they come and go they flash and then they go like you know People are cheap, you know, like they buy stuff that's popular. They buy the Abercrombie shirt because it's popular, whatever. So, but if if the pop star is an artist, they will have lasting power and they will keep their fans interested. They will build new fans, but they'll keep the fans that have been fans for decades interested, not only because they've written and played great songs that people want to hear again, but because they make new stuff and they... Even if they do their old stuff, maybe they do it in a different way. They That's surprise interesting. people. They surprise people because what they're making is art. And when you make art, it can be um, even commercially accessible or you know, like easily sellable and still be art. It's not the, the how easy or how hard it is to sell. That's not what makes art. What makes art to me is what you start with and what you end with. You know, and the process in between. And if it's if you do it to create art, like you know, if I write a piece of music, and to me, I'm not gonna write a, a piece of music at this stage of my life that's not gonna be art. I'm writing it because I want it to be art. So therefore, it can be bad, it can be good, it can be you can like it or not, but it's art. And so no can nobody can say say to me what you wrote is a product. It's not. What I wrote is art. You like it or you don't. You know, but yeah. that's a matter of opinion or taste or whatever but you know i put in the work i need to put in and with the intent i need to put in to make it art just the house but the foundation as a whole going into the future what are some things that are, are really exciting to you projects that you have coming up either in the very near future or the more distant future um, for for the house and the foundation well our expansion plans have always been in the uh, franchising kind of the franchising kind so we we never uh, 
we don't want to get a bigger house with a bigger living room. That's not really the idea, you know. But I would love for this house to become successful enough that I can go maybe somewhere else or send someone who I trust somewhere else and replicate the, the type of experience in another city, for example, and then duplicate that. The boat is another way to franchise. It's another, the boat project is... So for the listener who has never heard of this crazy boat thing, <laughs> give, give us a, a 30 second capsule okay, so summary the, of the boat. The elevator pitch for the boat is this. It's 154 I'm foot... I'm putting you on the clock. Yeah. It's a 154 foot, 200 seat auditorium who can sleep 32 people on board. Solar powered, water maker, gray water treatment, black water treatment, so self-contained as much as possible. And it's not about going on a cruise. It's about going to public piers with free parking, free access, so that people can come to see a concert. But you can tour for a week. And you do the same little circuit every week. That's the idea for the boat. And so it would be the... So it's a showboat. It's not a cruise ship. It's a, a showboat. Yes. The shows it, happen on the boat. And then the you, audience comes on and off each night. Exactly. Okay. But the performers stay on the boat. And Correct. then they tour with the boat. And so it's one setup, one teardown, but you can have five performances. So it's a 200 seat or 150 seat, whatever it is. But in fact, it's a thousand seat auditorium because you do five shows with it and at 200 seats each, for example, without cha without going to a different motel. Like, you, in other words, you undo your, your, uh, your uh, suitcase or whatever you your luggage and uh, you, you set up for the week, you know, and then you but you play different audience. You know, not only... A and you don't have to go anywhere. It's just a different audience in a different town. It's and a different place. Exactly. And so that is the next level of how cool an experience it could be for the performers. So that's, that's how I'm thinking about that aspect. So that's, an, that's another franchise yeah, that's because, opportunity. So you've yes. got other cities, possibly, yeah. and you've got the boat. The boat. And, and the boat, if it's successful, like if the house is successful, in other words, if we... I would argue that the house is successful at this point. <laughs> I'm, what I'm talking about is a financial survival of the house. Like if yes. that happens without my huge money input, then I'm going to turn around and go on the boat next. And the reason I would do that is, not, is it's more expensive, but it's a unique project. Uh, there's no other venues like that in the world. I mean, there's no other venue like my house anywhere else either. That's exactly like it. But, but the boat would definitely be... a definitely be a unique project. Okay, so our elevator has taken us now uh, a little up bit and longer. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the pitch itself was... It was good. It was no, good. I, I, I stretched it out. I elaborated a little bit. But, you know, that's the idea. And yeah. let me say to the listener that, that Benoit has been telling me about the boat basically since I met him. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the thing is, it's ready. I'm ready to go. But I cannot pull the trigger on that project until I know that the long-term survival of the house is assured. Once I do that, then I will jump. The boat is going to be a non-issue. Non I have the builder, the naval architect. I've already stamped the, the design. I mean, everything is ready to go. All I need is $17 million. And it, although it seems... That's it. Although it seems very expensive... The fact is, it's a green venue that will leave no carbon foot. Like I'm, I mean, to build maybe a little bit carbon footprint, but once it's in operation, no carbon footprint, and also it's half the price per seat as your run-of-the-mill performing arts center. Half the price. I will repeat that. This unique boat would be half the price per seat as your typical performing arts center that gets designed and built right now 
And they are, they create mountains of waste of all kinds every day. They're in operation. Their lighting systems, their, I mean, the power they consume just for a concert for lights is I don't consume at the house for a whole year. As far as the cost to the society, you know, and the benefits society, I think that the boat and whatever next project I do will be that much more valuable to humankind, if you will. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's kind of grandiose, but I'm, that's how I think. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be, to leave, leave a legacy of as much good and as little bad as possible. I mean, that's You're how... You're a I'm young thinking. man, Benoit. You shouldn't be thinking about your legacy yet. We should from the start because we may, we avoid so many mistakes. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, you know, these things seem to, to me, these concerts and the, whatever we offer here, it seems to contribute to society. I feel like I do something useful for society. And people say, yeah, but you know, you could save lives literally. Well, music has saved lives literally. I mean, it saved my life literally because you know I contemplated suicide for a while and, and and I avoided suicide thanks to Tower of Power, you know, and it's, you, there's no way you can be depressed when you're listening to Tower of Power. And so for myself, it's, I have concrete examples in my own past that you can save someone uh, in many different ways. You know, you don't necessarily have need surgery to save someone's life, you know, and there's, and, you know, the financial, all of that, you know, I try to leave, you know, every day I live, I try to do some good and I try to do as little bad as possible. And, you know, we all do things that are bad, like whether it's, you know, cutting down a healthy tree or, you know what I mean? Like there's things that we do that leave the world in a, not as good, you know, and I, there's always choices we have to make. I drive my car places. I know that's bad for, you know, at least, you know, the environment and the earth. And so, you know, we all make choices and some things contribute in a positive way. Some things contribute in a negative way. That's the nature of life. I mean, that you cannot be 100% good. That's not for humans to be, you know. And so, but you can strive to do as much good and do as little bad as possible. And that's what I try to do. And you do that culturally through yeah, the... Through, well, the but that's because what I, that's what I feel I'm good at. You know, I'm... Absolutely. I could probably do achieve a similar kind of result if you will doing engineering for example or other things but sure going back in time and and having a career go, yeah that. exactly but that's that's the path i mean i was going to be a physicist i might have changed the world in a positive way as a physicist probably i mean if you have that intent that's probably what's going to happen you know hopefully but, well you have changed the world in a positive way i here. hope so i hope so even if it's small <laughs> Thanks again to Benoit Glazer, not just for founding the Timoko Arts Foundation, but also for taking some time out of his ridiculously busy schedule to talk to me about it. I'd again like to thank our sponsor, Orlando Brewing. Try their organically brewed beers at their tap room. You'll find it at 1301 Atlanta Avenue in Orlando and pubs and stores all around Central Florida. I enjoy shopping at my local Total Wine, which carries a wide variety of Orlando Brewing's fine products, and I assure you, they are delicious. They can't pay me to say that. If you would like to join Orlando Brewing by sponsoring future episodes of this podcast, please get in touch with us at podcast at The executive producer of Timacua Presents is Chris Belt. It was recorded during a crazy thunderstorm and edited by me, David McDonald. 
I didn't edit it during the thunderstorm, but it was recorded during one. Thank you for listening all the way to the end, and I'll see you at the show.